Let's give a round of applause for Jackie and Bobby. Hey guys, how you doing? Yeah, you should respond with your animal noises. Ready? Hey guys, how you doing? That's awesome. When you guys did your ba, I was totally like, oh my gosh, Taylor Swift, I knew you were trouble when you walked in. It's like, shame on, and then ba, you know, like horrible. I'm like, that's, that, that's what it is. <laughs> um, okay, my husband's not just, he doesn't just tag along. He totally is like Leonidas from 300. Seriously, good looking. Here we go. It's the beard. Yeah, all, it is. It's all the beard. <laughs> but we are so excited to be here, especially because we are passionate about Theology of the Body. Um, we actually met at the Theology of the Body week-long course in Pennsylvania. A guy from Florida, a girl from California, and we meet a Theology of the Body, fall in love, get married, and have a baby. Mm. Woo, yeah. Um, but really, we've been on, I think you've been on how many, four or five courses? Yeah, four courses, and I've been on five courses, week-long courses at Theology of the Body Institute in Pennsylvania. And we, our hearts were changed. I know for me, growing up, you know, lukewarm Catholic, I know when I learned about Theology of the Body, my life was changed. And I know for Bobby that that was the same thing as well. You know, not all of us grew up, for instance, I grew up with a mom who's Catholic and a dad who's not. So my mom didn't really know her faith. Um, so basically, I didn't know the message of Theology of the Body. And I really didn't know what the church taught a lot about, you know, sex teaching and like what, who I am and what I'm made for. So I didn't know that. And I don't, I don't, I think you as well, that was your journey. No, my story was not the... the like this at all. Now, and it's such a beautiful theme you have of this, this echoes of worth. The fact that throughout all creation is this echo, this kind of reverberation that I am worth something. That I have a dignity that goes deeper than just the fact that I think I'm important. That by my very being, I have this dignity, I have this worth. And so, what does that look like? And I'm sure, like most of us, we didn't grow up with this kind of mystical, amazing, beautiful vision. Uh, especially when it came to the human body, when it came to our sexuality, when it came to who we are. Um, if any of you have been given the talk, the awesome, wonderful sit-down talk of birds and bees and all sorts of nonsense by your parents, it can be pretty uncomfortable. Somehow my dad got out of it. In fifth grade, he signed a waiver saying the school could, you know, do the whole education thing for me, whatever. I had no idea what I was learning. And so they, they, they sit us down, they show this video, it's of your changing bodies. And, you know, you're fifth grade, you're like, the, the puberty's kicking in, your voice is doing this up and down thing. And you have this strange, like, weird thing growing under your armpit, you're like, what is this? This is hair. And you're watching this video, and there's, like, weird diagrams, and this is, like, in 1990-something, so 90s-tastic videos. And they're like, any questions at the very end of it? And I'm like, I don't, I don't even know how girls pee. Like, what? I didn't, I, don't, I was too scared to ask. So I'm like, oh, I don't know. And then they give you the bags of deodorant when you're done and, you know, you're on your way. And you're like, what the, what the heck? I still don't know how girls pee. Uh, I'm 30-something. So, no, I have, I have a daughter now. She's beautiful. She's peed on me many times. <laughs> I still don't know how it works. Uh, and, and so, not especially when, when it comes maybe to our faith and, and what the, the church teaches, not all of us have had a formation that was leading us down this road that, oh, my, my sexuality, my desires are connected to my worth, to, to who I am, to what I'm made for. And these desires that run deep are not meant to be cut off. They're not meant to be pretended like they're not there, nor am I supposed to just kind of indulge in whatever comes my way. There's there's a different way. And so what's amazing is St. 
Pope John Paul, right, the second, I like to call him the great, he, again, you know, Clarissa said this, in the first five years of his papacy, he delivered these talks. He had written a book called Theology of the Body, okay? And he had this book. And in the first five years of him being pope, he delivered them every Wednesday at the papal audiences. And the people who came in probably were like, right? This is, it's hard stuff. The book is like this big. And it's really, if you start reading it, you're like, what the heck is he talking about? So for me, it took like seven years, even starting kind of at the beginning, Christopher West, this guy who talks about theology of the body, he's, he had a book called The Good News About Sex and Marriage. And basically is like engaged couples would ask questions about the church's teachings. And he would just write, you know, the, the responses. And I've read that and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so beautiful. And then I started getting deeper and deeper into theology of the body, like watching the DVDs and all this stuff. And finally I decided, you know what? I'm going to read the book. I'm actually going to read this huge book, and um, it, it, it was so beautiful, it changed my life. But Theology of the Body is so many, it's like a Bible study. And the two questions that, that are answered in this Theology of the Body are, who am I, and what am I made for? Okay, who am I, what am I made for? So I'm going to ask you guys, if I, if I was to ask you, who are you, what would you say? Who are you? What is your identity? Who are you? You're what, an elephant? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Who are you? You can answer. You can raise your hands. Who are you guys? Who are you? Yeah. Move back. What? Human. That's a, yeah, that's a great answer. <laughs> Y'all were a bunch of animals a few minutes ago. <laughs> what? Yes. Good. Children of God. We are human. We are children of God. You each are sons and daughters of God. You guys are sons and daughters. That is your identity. Your identity is not you're a volleyball player. Your identity is not you're a musician. Your identity is not whatever. Your identity is that you are a daughter or you are a son of God. So that's who you are. Now, if I asked you guys, what are you made for, what would you say? Yeah, just raise your hands if you... Yeah. Um, to do his work. To do his work. Awesome. What else? If I said, what were you made for, what would you say? For, for him. You were made for him. Awesome. Okay. What else? Yeah, back there. To carry out his work. To carry out his work. Yeah, like, you guys are like right here. Um, okay, what else? What, were we, what are we made for? Yes. To love others as he loves us. Awesome. Anybody else want to share? I want to throw in something in there. Okay, awesome. If I were to say, if I were to say one word, what are you made for here on this earth? What are you made for? The one word would be love. Hoot. Hoot! Actually, I don't know why owls, they put, you have to enunciate the T. Owls do not go hoot, right? They go hoo, hoo. But it's funny, in children's books, like hoot. I'm like, I've never heard an owl hoot. Um, but yes, that is right. So to love, right? The greatest two commandments says to love God, right? With all your mind, all your heart, all your soul, all your being, and to love who? To love your neighbor as yourself. So the, the purpose of this life is to love. When we die, right, if I die tomorrow, God, I mean, basically my whole life, God would be like, Jackie, how did you love? How did you love God? How did you love your neighbor? And how did you love yourself? Now, where is the only place that love lasts forever? Heaven. Okay, ladies, ladies, if a guy wrote you a love song, he's like, girl, I want to love you for two weeks. You'd be like, oh, no, you didn't. I will kill you. Got to go. Okay. <laughs> you know, because why? Ladies, where is the only place that love is forever? Heaven, right? Because we know we weren't made to be loved for one day. We were made to be loved for two weeks. We were meant to be loved forever. 
Every single one of us was made to be loved forever. And where is the only place where love is eternal love lasts forever? Heaven. Every single one of us was made for eternal love with God in heaven. But here's the deal. If we say, oh, I'm made for love, but we think that love is just a feeling. Because if I ask you, hey, you guys, what is love? A lot of people, oh, well, it feels good. It's a feeling. But no, that's not right. If love were a feeling, Jesus would have been hugged to death or shot with bunnies, okay? That's not real love, and we're going to talk about that tomorrow. But if you want to know, if you, we, we want to start talking about love, hey, you guys, right here, shh, it's really distracting. Um, if we want to talk about what real love is, we got to go back to the beginning. So what's the very first book of the Bible? Genesis. Genesis. And so that's where Pope John Paul begins. He begins in Genesis, in, in this theology of the body. And anytime Jesus refers to in the beginning, what's he referring to? Genesis. So we see that in the beginning, God created the world out of love. Because God is love. It says in 1 John 4, 8, God is love. So because God is love, he has to create. That's part of love. It's a big word called diffusive. When you are love, you have to go out. It has to go outward. So God is love. So God created. And he created the world because of love for love, by love. He created the world. In the beginning, it said, you know, it says, he said, let there be light, and there was light. And then God, you know, it was a formless wasteland. He said, let there be light, and then he, you know, made the sky and the seas. He separated the sea and the land. You know, and then God put the sun and the stars and the moon in the sky. Then God created the flying things, the, the creepy crawly things, the, the swimming things, the animals. And on the same day as the animals, the sixth day, who did God create? us, right? God created us, and it says this, you heard it in the first reading, God created us in his image and likeness. He created us in his image and likeness. Do you know what that means? If God is love and you and I are created in the image and likeness, it means every single one of us, every human being, was made to be loved and made to give love. Every single person, whether you are Catholic, whether you're Hindu, Buddhist, Muslim, every single person on this earth was made in the image and likeness of God and was made for love. All of us. And you know what is even more mind-blowing? Is that love, God is not just a solitude. Okay? Because love, the nature of love, love always has to have a lover, a beloved, and the love between them. So you and I are made in the image of the Trinity. Okay? As, as you know, each one of us as male and female made in the image and likeness of God, who is the lover, the beloved, and the love between them. Right? God the Father is the lover. He gives his love to Jesus Christ, the Son. And the love between them actually creates another person called the Holy Spirit. So you and I, as male and female, we were made in the image and likeness of God. But guess what? Individually, yes. But even more completely, as male and female. Because the, great, the greatest, um, the most used analogy of God's love is that of a what? Of a bridegroom for his bride. And so we, as male and female... We are made in the image and likeness, and even more completely, we see that as a husband gives his love to his wife, and she receives it and then gives it back, it's actually so powerful, just like the Trinity, it creates another person, and nine months later, you have to name it, right? You guys, we're made in the image and likeness of the Trinity. How amazing is that? And, and so you and I know that we are made not to be alone, right? We were made to be a gift, and we see this when God creates Adam. Adam knows he was made to be loved and to give love. 
So Adam is walking around the garden. Okay, imagine this. Walking around the garden, looking for someone to love and wanting to give his love and receive love. And Adam's walking around, and it actually says this in the Bible. It's kind of funny. When I first read it, I was like, oh, my gosh. It says, Adam looked around at the animals to find a suitable partner. I was like, I think that's illegal, you know? And so you, you can imagine, right? Adam, like, goes up to the giraffe, and he's like, I want to cuddle. And the giraffe's like, you know, I actually don't know what sound a giraffe makes. Good thing you didn't have that on your animal. You'd be like, what does a giraffe say? You know, I don't know. So really, like, Adam's, like, walking around, looking at the animals, like the koala, which actually is a bear, and they're ferocious people. Don't ever, you know, don't get close to a koala bear. Um, but Adam's looking around, and I don't know about you, but I'm a very musical, like, I come from a very musical family. Like, my family sings the birthday song in five-part harmony, okay? For you older people, my family is like the Von Trapp family from Sound of Music. For the younger people, my family is like Glee on crack, okay? I'm not even kidding. We, like, you hear a word, and then we start singing. It's just crazy. So I imagine Adam is so long. He has this longing in his heart. He has this, like, you know, this, like, hole in his heart. He's, like, yearning and longing for someone to love. And I imagine this. This is what goes on through my brain. I'm like... He's singing, each morning I get up, I die a little, can barely stand on my feet, take a look in the mirror and cry, Lord, what you doing to me? I have spent all my years believing you, I just can't get no relief, oh, somebody, somebody, can anybody find me somebody to love? Or he's like, I just need somebody to love. I, I don't need too much, just somebody to love. Even Bieber has the ache of Adam, okay? So Bieber, I mean Adam, was walking around the garden looking for someone to love. And clearly Bieber, these days, he's like, I'm looking for love in all the wrong places, okay? We'll pray for Bieber, okay? So Adam is walking around the garden, and he sees that the animals are not like him. There's something different. And he wants to be loved and be loved in return. He wants to love and be loved in return. And so God sees this and God says, it is not good for man to be alone. In fact, that's why in, as a human being, that's one of our greatest fears is to be alone, right? You know, ladies, we don't want to end up an old cat lady unless you really like cats, but you're like, I want to be married too, okay? <laughs> but a lot of us, we don't want to be alone. And you know what? That's like, the human heart. We know that we were made to be a gift. We know that we were made to be loved. And so God sees Adam and he says, it is not good for man to be alone. So who does he create? Woman. A woman. That's right. Eve. And her name is Eve. And God creates woman. And what is Adam's response to Eve? It's not, hey, babe, what's up? Let's make some babies, right? Okay. Which it could have been because the, the Bible, actually the very first commandment, in the Jewish Bible, there are 613 commandments, and the very first one is be fruitful and multiply. I don't think God was talking about oranges and multiplication tables, okay? He's like, be fruitful and multiply. Okay, but Adam's response was not the neck flick, okay? I love to see it when guys, guys, when you see a pretty girl, you totally do the neck flick. You're like, hey, what's up, girl? You know, how you doing? I don't know. I always, when guys do that, it's funny. I always imagine, like, I'm watching the Nature Channel, like, the human male, he sees a pretty lady that he likes and he puffs out his chest and he ruffles his feathers and then he does the neck flick. <laughs> and it's like the magic potion shoots out of his neck and it wafts over to the lady and she's like, wah, wah, you know, it's like, and then the mating season begins, you know. So guys, no, Adam did not do the neck flick, okay. Adam also did not do like a cheesy pickup line, which my two favorite Catholic pickup lines are, girl, if I had a rosary bead for every time I thought of you, I'd have a glorious mystery. Mm -hmm, that's right. <laughs> Yeah, my other favorite cheesy Catholic pickup line is, girl, 
I would say God bless you, but clearly he already has. <laughs> oh, hey, Adam. You know, no. Adam's response to Eve was, at last. Like the one who he's been searching the, the garden, and finally he says, at last. This is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Finally, like he's found the one that he was made for. He found the one, he was like, this is the one who finally can love me the way I was meant to be loved. And what's amazing with Adam and Eve, what we see here is a foretaste of heaven. In the very beginning of the Bible, the very first book of the Bible is again, what's the very last book of the Bible? Revelation. And if you notice this, the Bible is a love story. The most used analogy for God's love for his people is that of a bridegroom for his bride. Well, guess what? The first book of the Bible starts with the, the marriage between Adam and Eve. And you know what that's pointing towards? The marriage between Adam and Eve is pointing us to, to the last book of the Bible, Revelation, where there's a different kind of wedding. And this time, the marriage, this wedding, is between who? Who? Oh, yes, I heard of it. Christ and his church. Jesus Christ is the ultimate bridegroom, and we are his bride, the church. Do you see this? The union between Adam and Eve is pointing us to the union of Christ and the church. In fact, so marriage, marriage is actually supposed to be a foretaste of heaven. Marriage, the love between a husband and wife, is actually pointing us to the marriage between us and Jesus Christ, the bridegroom. That's why when it comes to what sex is, the love between a husband and wife, because God created sex, not just be like, all right, let's do whatever we want. No, God created sex because it is good. And it's actually that love between a husband and wife is pointing us towards heaven. No, heaven isn't just some boring place where we're like fanning Jesus and feeding him grapes, okay? Heaven, get this, heaven is eternal ecstasy. Yeah, you're like, you know, I mean, like, people, people, again, who have sex outside of marriage, they're looking for that pleasure. And the prophet Bruno Mars, right, he's like, you make me feel like I've been locked out of heaven for too long, right? He says that. He says, your sex takes me to paradise. I was like, <gasps> when I heard that song for the first time, I'm like, Bobby, Bobby, do you hear this? Do you hear this song? Yes, yes, honey. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, listen. Bruno Mars, even though he's talking probably about sex outside of marriage, he's almost there. He is almost there because he recognizes that the love, that sex is actually a foretaste of heaven. And, you know, the love between a husband and wife, yes, it's momentary ecstasy, but guess what? It's pointing us to an eternal ecstasy in heaven. You're like, I want to go there now. <laughs> but seriously, you guys, I, I remember listening to the song by Chris Brown, you know, forever. forever. And, you know, he's like, it's you and me. Moving at the speed of light into, right? And then he's like, um, he's like, I've been waiting my whole life for this one night's gonna be me and you forever. You know, um, all in one night, double your pleasure, double your fun, forever, ever, ever. I'm like, Chris Brown, the only place where love lasts forever is. He's singing about eternal ecstasy. I'm like, you're singing. Chris Brown, I don't know if you wrote that song or not. You're crazy. But seriously, you are singing about eternal love. And the only, where we, the only place we have there is heaven. And so, you guys, this is so amazing that we see this. The union of a husband and wife. And the reason we have this ache in our hearts for someone to love is because that's meant to be there. But get this. In heaven, we're not going to be married anymore. It says in the Bible, it says in the Gospels, that in, in heaven there is no marriage. You know why? 
Why would you need the sign when you're actually already there, when you're actually already completely united with God, right? Because this is just a sign of what's to come. And what's to come is union with God, where we can be fully united with love himself. That's what your purpose is on this earth. That's what you were made for. And the, the way we find this, theology of the body shows us that because our bodies are not just biological, our bodies are theological. And, and Bobby's going to share, how are they theological? Um, it's a funny thing because, you know, we're, we're in these, these, these bodies and how easy is it? And we kind of, we're children of modernity in the sense that it's, we've kind of made it into a machine. Like we think about the body as some kind of machine I can, I can probe and I can test and I can like shoot all sorts of things into and enhance and make me myself half robot and do all these things and manipulate. And we, we've lost the sense of that I am a body and a soul together. I am united. And that is the only way I can be me. That is the only way I can be me. And when we separate these things, we recognize it's something unnatural. What's a body without a soul? Okay, a corpse. Yeah, there you go. A corpse or a zombie. Nazi zombie. Um, <laughs> uh, a corpse. A body without a soul is a corpse, and we naturally recoil at that. Likewise, yeah. what is a soul without a body? Okay, so ghosts, Ghostbusters. Again, <laughs> we recoil because we recognize it's unnatural. Like there's something not right about it. And only when they are together are we fully ourselves. So when we think about heaven, we, can't, we have to let go a bit of maybe the, the understanding of it we had when we were kids. And I call it the Bugs Bunny syndrome. When you get hit, hit with a train, hit with a car, hit with an anvil, because there's always an anvil overhead, and you fly up as this kind of ghost with a harp, and that's it, right? And it's like, no, that's not you. That's not you yet. I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, communion of saints, the, the, we say it every mass, well, almost every mass, we do that, when we do that, uh, the creed there, I believe in the resurrection of the body, I believe in the resurrection of the body, and that death is not the end, that I believe that my body and soul will come back together again, and that's the only way I'll be me, that's the only way. What is my purpose? Can we get a picture of John Paul up again? John Paul said that the body, so the human body, and only the body is capable of making visible what's invisible. And this is a mystery hidden from all eternity. Your body is capable of making visible what's invisible. To show my wife I care and I love her. Hey, baby. <laughs> now, I could sit here and try to pretend I'm Professor X and just send my love to her through my mind. I'm an X-Men, too, so I can feel it. Okay. No, she's not. <laughs> Only I have X powers. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. It has to be made real. It has to be incarnated through my body. So if she's having uh, a not-so-great day, what do I do as a man? What can I do? Oh, oh you're sweet. Yeah. yeah. Hey, babe, why don't you ever do that? That's a good idea. <laughs> Thank you. Pancakes, eggs, what else? bacon. Okay. What else? Oh, that's a great, good. See, girls, ask her what's wrong. Flowers, come on, guys, help me. <laughs> stuff, give her stuff. I don't want to listen to her. Come on. <laughs> stop. No, I love you, honey. I Thank love you, me. baby. Again, it is through Thank the you. body. I 
either giving her something to brighten her day, I'm actually giving her the presence of my time. Honey, what's wrong? Right. What's really wrong? I'm sorry. What did I do? Yeah, Forgive that's me. most likely the answer. It's usually me. Yeah. But again, through the body, through the body, this is how we experience it, and this is how our desires well up. Um, and God has given us this unique gift, and we have to re-see the human body through these, this lens, through this theology, that it's, it's not just biology, it is a theological reality. Have you ever seen a chimpanzee on the beach, thinking about life, looking at a sunset? Let me know if you do, it'd be awesome. <laughs> Have you ever seen a dolphin looking up at the stars and be like, why am I here? Why was I made? Have you ever seen an owl say, hoot? For hoot am I made for? No. <laughs> no, the... The animals don't have these questions, and even the smartest animals, the gorillas that can paint, and the elephants that can paint, and they can't really paint, they're just kind of splashing around, and oh my gosh, they're painting, they're not really painting. Um, even the most intelligent of the animals, there is this infinite gap between us and them, where we will sit on a beach and wonder, who am I, what was I made for? Well, I can look at the stars and realize, I'm not, I have these desires that go beyond this, this physical planet, why am I here? What was I made for? And as Bobby said too, like, um, we are, right, we're human beings. We have a body and a soul. And actually, when your body and your soul are separate, what is that called? I kind of heard it. Death. When your body and your soul are separate, it's actually called death. Again, that's why we're afraid of zombies and ghosts, because they are dead. They don't have both. You guys, we are human beings. When people are like, oh, you're such an angel, I'm like, you're a heretic. You know, yes, we are the angels, but not like metaphysically, okay? Um, but yes, we are not angels. We are human beings, okay? Angels have a soul without a body. Animals have bodies without a rational soul. We as human beings have both a body and a soul, and you cannot separate them. The only thing that separates them is death. And in fact, sin, it says in Romans 6.23, sin, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. So every time we sin, in fact, we're kind of deliberately separating our body and our soul. But here's the thing. I'm going to tell you this. I want you to say it after me. What you do with your body, you do with your soul. Say that. Some people think what they do with their bodies doesn't affect their eternal soul, but yes, it does. Because everything you do with your body, you do to your soul. And that's why St. Paul, in the 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he says this. He says, do you not know that when you sleep with a prostitute, you are literally becoming one flesh with her? You're not just doing stuff with your body. You know, like when people hook up, they're not just hooking up with their body. They're doing that to their soul. It actually affects your soul eternally when, you sin, when we sin. When we sin, our bodies and souls are separating us. And it equals death. But that's why the, how amazing God is. God wants us to be whole. He doesn't want us to die. And guess what? His death conquered death. So Jesus' death on the cross actually conquered death. And he gave us the gift of eternal life through his grace, through his death. How awesome is that? Every time we sin, we die. And in fact, the worst kind of cancer, because we all probably know someone with bodily cancer, right? The worst kind of cancer is sin. The worst kind of cancer is sin. Because it kills your soul. As the more and more we sin, the more and more we destroy our bodies and our souls. Right? And that's why sometimes when we pray for people who are sick, we think, oh, if they ended up dying, we think, oh, our prayers failed. No, they didn't. Because a lot of times when we, pray, when we pray and we pray for someone to get better, you know God answers your prayers and he's actually, he's helping their soul. 
maybe not their bodies, but you got to know your prayers are effective, right? Because we are human beings, we are body and soul, and the worst kind of cancer is sin, and, that make, and, it, and it literally equals death. It separates us body and soul. Um, and we know, we know we're made to be unified. And in fact, if I asked you what chastity is, what would you guys say? What is chastity? You can answer. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. I just want to hear what you guys think. What is chastity? What does it mean? Yeah. Okay, so yeah, that, that would be a lot. That would, is what most people think, right? Abstaining towards sex. But if I told you that priests are called to be chaste, if I told you that we, as a married couple, that we're called to be chaste, what do you think now? What is chastity? If even we... And obviously, we're not living in a Josephite marriage is where people don't have sex. So well, We had a baby. <laughs> we had a baby. So clearly, something had to happen. So obviously, chastity does not mean that you can't have sex. That's celibacy. So priests actually are called to celibacy. We are not, but we are called to be chaste. So what is chastity? It's okay, to, it's okay if you guys are wrong. Don't worry. Yeah. Love, not love. Nice. Yeah. It's love. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and chastity, yeah, chastity is love, and chastity is helping others to get to heaven, but the definition of chastity is that your body and your soul are doing the same thing. How many of you guys have heard the song One More Night by Maroon 5, right? What is he saying? He's like, um, he's basically saying, my body's saying yes, but my heart is saying no. He's like, my heart's telling me no, but my body's saying yes, and guess what? When your heart is saying one thing and your body is doing another, so some of you may have been in this situation, maybe you're in a relationship, and you know something's wrong, and you know you shouldn't be doing it, but what happens? You're doing it anyways, and your body's like, no, I want to do this. That is unchastity, because it's, your body and your soul are separate. Your body's like, yes, I want this, and your soul's like, no, I shouldn't do this, I shouldn't do this. That's, that's unchastity. Chastity is when you're like, all right, my body is going to do the same thing as my soul. I'm going to wait for you, and I'm going to love you to heaven. Now, I know we're not perfect. None of us are, right? We know that's why it's sin, and that's why we know that we're separated. We know our heart's like, dude, I shouldn't be doing this, but our body's like, yes, I want to do this. We, we, we have a conscience, and God has given that to us as human beings, which is pretty awesome, right? And we know it's wrong, and sometimes we do it anyway. Sometimes we don't, and that's why it's, it helps with temptation and all that, but we need to know we were made to be whole. Our body and our soul, and this is what we're going to talk about this whole weekend, our body and our soul were made to be one. We weren't meant to be separated. It's a beautiful thing because sometimes <clears throat> this teaching is really what brought Jackie and I together. And sometimes we're given like 40 minutes period to like cram some kind of cohesive talk in. Sometimes we're given two hours and we can do enough with two hours. But it's exciting to be given like this weekend with you to be walking with you, to have priests who get it and are living it and are joyful and have started this whole thing off with receiving Jesus into ourselves because that is the goal of this life, is that union with God. It is the way of the cross, the big old cross. It is the way of union to him. And so with these desires, sometimes it's like, we've given you a lot already, so thank you for hanging in there with us. The question sometimes is, what do I do then with these desires, which are good? You guys are telling me they're good. They have a purpose. And I, I think Christianity has gotten a bad rap sometimes because of this puritanical shadow on it where it's like when it comes to sex and the body and all these things, it's just don't talk about it. Just don't talk about it. And we're going to hope you turn out okay. Like, huh, that's kind of my upbringing. And you're left with TV and you're left with movie romance to really mold, oh, this, this is what love is? 
on the first date, this is what I expect to, to do with this girl. And it's very like, you know, this isn't, this isn't healthy. It's, it's kind of like, don't talk about it, don't talk about it. Versus then the world is giving me this other option of like, you're just, you're just biology. You're just really highly developed chimps. Just, just go at it. You're going to have sex anyway, so just... You're just animals. Animals, moles, moles as Maroon moles, 5 would say. Moles. <laughs> but it's like, no, that's not, that doesn't satisfy me. Because you've got uh, radio hits aplenty that exemplify this, that this doesn't work. This approach doesn't work either. And yet, if it's between these two, what do I pick? And is there another way? Yeah, we like to use the analogy of food, because how many of you guys like food? I love me some food. Okay. Um, and so I like the analogy of food. So on this one hand, where it's saying, don't talk about sex in the body. They're bad, 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 right? Okay, this is the puritan puritanical version. This is not Catholic. Okay, so if any of you were raised to think that sex was bad, don't talk about it, that's not Catholicism. So the Puritan way is saying, don't talk about it, sex is bad, that your desires are bad, the desires that you have for union and longing for it to be with someone, those are bad, right? That's not what the Catholic Church teaches. And if I were talking about food, that would basically be like someone saying, starve yourself, okay? Don't think about the food. And you're like, I'm thinking about the food, I'm thinking about the food. Don't think about it, right? That's what that's saying, like, just starve. Starve yourself, and we're not going to even talk about it, right? The other way, the way of the world says, oh, come on, you're just animals. Just do it. Come on, like, you and me, baby, ain't nothing but mammals, so let's do no. it like they do on the Discovery Channel. I was like, oh, no, you know? That's like a song, and that came out, and I was like, I'm not just an animal. And if this were talking about food, basically, society says, oh, come on, they're just some warm chicken nuggets. This is going to make you feel real good. Why don't you have 100 of them? And you're like, ugh. I don't feel real good. Did you guys ever see that movie, The Supersize Me? <laughs> yeah. What is that movie? The movie is saying, it's showing a guy who ate McDonald's breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And guess what happened? In a month, he was about to die. And what did I just tell you, right? When we give in to sin, the more we sin, the more we sin, we are closer to death, right? It's a cancer of the soul. And so when a guy eats McDonald's, he's like, Oh, at the end, but everyone's like, oh, come on, just indulge. Just indulge in the fast food. So if you are told that you have to starve when it comes to, your, when it comes to sex, your desires, or it comes to eating a warm chicken nugget, what are you going to choose, <laughs> right? Because some people in our society are told to starve, and they're raised Christian or whatever, and they're like, oh, just don't talk about sex, it's bad. And they're like, no, but I want, it. I want a chicken nugget, right? I, I would if I was told that my desires were bad, and I would feel these desires to be united with somebody. And then I was told, oh, come on, don't worry about it. Everyone's doing it, right? Everyone's doing it. Just do it. It's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal to hook up. Come on. It's not that big of a deal to send a sext. Pfft, yeah, right. You know, it's not a big deal to have sex before marriage. That's what we're told. And we're told to just give in to our desires because, eh, they don't matter. You don't have an eternal soul, right? They just think we're animals. Well, the good news, you guys, is this. All of us have desires, Okay. And especially if the sexual desire is what points us to heaven, well, guess what? The sexual desire within us is going to be very strong, okay? We're not up here, <laughs> we're not up here saying, oh, we don't have any desires, you guys. You know, like kind of like the chassis speaker, like, oh, we're just perfect, and we never had desires. No, hello, he's hot, okay? You know, so it's not like I'm like, oh, you know. No, <laughs> you are, okay? I love you. Um, so, right, we have this one way that says starve yourself. We have another way that says take the fast food. You know, just take, and you're going to feel horrible after. And the third way is this, is the Catholic Church, Jesus Christ, has shown us the way. And what it is, it's the eternal banquet. That's the way. Like, I'm like, 
oh my gosh, I'd rather eat at the eternal banquet instead of diving in the dumpster. And I, I don't know about you, I don't want a counterfeit love. I don't want a counterfeit whatever. I want the real thing, right? I want the real thing. And so the real thing is the banquet of heaven. And guess what the banquet says? It says your desires are good. Your body is good. Sex is good. It's not just good, it's holy. It's not what Rihanna says where she's like, in, in that, that horrible song, S&M, was crazy. In that song, they actually, she actually sings about like chains and whips and everything. And she's, they bleeped out the word sex. And I was like, oh, that was the best word in the song. And they bleeped it out as if it's a dirty word. And I was like, you know what, Rihanna? Sex isn't dirty. And it's not just good, it's holy. Because sex points us to heaven. And the sex between a husband and a wife is supposed to be a foretaste of heaven. And a lot of times, sex outside of marriage is a foretaste of hell. Why? Because it doesn't, it's, it's not pointing us, it's, it's lust. Like he said back there, it's lust, it's not love. And we're going to talk more about that tomorrow. But you guys, we were made for this middle way, which says, the Catholic way says, your desires are good, your body's good, sex is holy. But here's the deal, it's not easy. You have to transform those desires because a lot of times we look at the fast food and we're like, I want that. And God's saying, no, you are worth more than the dumpster. You are worth more than the counterfeit. You are made for eternity. And you know what? You have to transform those desires. And it's not just saying, oh, I need to do this. I need to just know. It's like, God, I give my desires to you because this is not easy. It's not easy to see a really good looking guy or a really beautiful girl and, and to see them. And you see in your desires, sometimes you do not immediately love, right? A lot of times we are inclined to lust. But God's saying, uh-uh, you're worth more than the dumpster. You're worth more than lust. You are made for love. You are made for eternal love. And so what we have to do is say, God, like guys, if you ever see a pretty lady that you like and you're tempted to lust after her, your response would be, God, take these desires. Help me to love this woman because she is my sister in Christ. Help me to love her properly and rightly. Ladies, if you see a good-looking guy and you're tempted to lust, same thing. You say, God, this is my brother in Christ. Help me to love him and to see him as you love him and see him. And that's the third way, which is not easy. It takes a lifetime to look at another. You guys are all my brothers and sisters, right? You are all my brothers and sisters in Christ. And my, our goal this weekend is to help us, you and us to see each other as sons and daughters because that is who you are. And your purpose is heaven and you were made for more. Amen? Amen. I'd like to invite Martin up. Um, maybe to close us in a song here. Again, as Jackie said, we're not, we're not perfect, nor are we coming up here and, and, and saying, this is super easy, guys, why don't you just do it? Good God, no, no. Like, those, these desires in us, it's, it's what, what jettisons us out. It's when I work at an all-boys school, and when you see a pretty girl come on campus, all the guys are like, I'm like Superman. Like, 1,001. 1,002. Oh, I was doing 1,000. I don't know if you saw that. You, I, I, see the, yeah, I see the desire that, that it comes out, and that's a good thing. And yet we, always, we, don't, we don't always direct that rightly, how it should be directed, especially for those of us who've been bombarded with technology via social media, via kind of the Internet, and the, the wide-open playground that it is. It doesn't lead to the greatest of things. And so... Again, we, we bring a message here that's nothing new. It's the gospel. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ being retold in a new way for a new generation. It says, remember your dignity. Remember your body. To always say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you in my life if I'm going to find my vocation. 
I'm going to find what I'm made for and who I really am. Lord, I need you. And so let's, let's close this time with some, a little prayer here. Lord, I ask that you enter into this room in a special way. You stay with us as you have within the Eucharist. You stay with us in these small groups to come throughout the weekend. Lord, I ask forgiveness upon us if we've turned from you, if we've lusted, if things have been done to us that we feel ashamed of, if we've done something to others. Forgive us, Lord. We know you can make us new creations. We know you're always waiting for us to come home, to breathe new life into our lungs. Break into our hearts and let us know you are here and we are loved by you because, Lord, we need you. Your love never fails, never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love never fails and never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love never fails and never gives up, never runs out on me.
confident and covered by the Yeah. 